right, everybody. Welcome into Natty Talk episode number 10. It has been a while, but the college football guys have returned here on the Rise Network. Myself, Mitch McCartney, joining you with my friend across the pond, Cade Lewitsky. Hello, everybody. Hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving. It has been a while, but we're back and we're ready to roll. Back and ready to roll. School got involved. The holidays got involved. It was a little, I mean, I didn't enjoy not doing the show. I like doing this, but so I'm really, really happy to be back. Got a good show for you guys. We're going to recap all the conference championship games, talk some good stories, lots of coaching changes in the college football landscape, get into some discussion about the playoff rankings, Heisman finalist. We only got one game for you guys to preview to you guys this week, Army Navy. So let's get into it. Let's start with the recap. Cade, I'm going to send it to you. Tell the people what went down on conference championship Saturday. Yeah, so, I mean, I'll just start it up and I'll clap it up. Uh, congrats on the big win for Michigan. Michigan beat Iowa 42-3. to uh, was the first uh, conference championship since 2004, if I'm it's not there. mistaken. 2000. Uh, before, before the game, you know, I got some Michigan fans. You don't even compare to some of these guys that I deal with, but um, – you know, my father is a Michigan fan, and I said that I hope Michigan wins for all the dads out there. They got to root for Michigan and Lions on a daily basis. And you know what? They both ended up winning this past weekend. So, you know, congrats to them, you know, and I'm rooting for the Big Ten uh, all the way through. You know, I want to see the Big Ten be victorious because I believe that, you know, I'd say they're the second best conference in college football. With that being said, that was one of the most boring football games I've ever watched. As a Michigan fan, for Michigan fans, it was probably awesome. I assume it was, but as for the regular fan who I don't, I didn't like bet on anything for it. Um, it was just tough to watch. I mean, Iowa's offense is putrid. Um, their defense, which we thought was decent, obviously progressing throughout the season, we realized that <clears throat> that was false. Um, Michigan had their way with them more so in the second half. But Michigan's peaked at the right time. They've looked legit. Uh, they've won big games. Uh, obviously, we didn't talk about Ohio State, but I mean, that game was even more impressive than this one. Um, I'll let you go first, kind of on your recap, because I do have something else to say, but I, it's kind of more out of the whole game situation. It kind of relates to more of the conference and stuff. So you can kind of go with what you want. Yeah, my end of things, I'm not going to disagree with you. The fact that it, you know, if I wasn't a Michigan fan, yeah, it's probably a pretty boring game, 42 to 3. Not much competition. You know, Iowa came out, um, I'm not going to say they came out swinging, but they were able to move the ball the first couple possessions. But, you know, after that, Michigan made some minor adjustments and really the whole game from there on out was just all Michigan. I mean, he had some nice, some really nice big plays from Blake Corum, uh, Donovan Edwards, who, you know, if you're a D3 college and you need a quarterback, it doesn't hurt to give Donovan Edwards a ring. The kid can apparently really throw the football <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it was great, great to see Michigan win. Like you said, first big, big 10 title since 2004. And Hey man, I was, I was happy. I mean, I thought there, I'm kind of, it's kind of nice because I feel like, you know, the West so rarely wins the big 10 that it's almost like the big 10 title game is less stressful than the previous like month of college football was because you feel like you got a pretty good shot no matter who comes out of the West. And in this situation, Michigan did, and they took care of business. 
Yeah, and there's usually like, you know, a Wisconsin that's like, all right, this team will run the ball and they'll shut you and they'll they'll shut you down, they'll smack you in the mouth, but there wasn't really a Wisconsin. And that's what I wanted to bring up. We have to do something about the Big Ten West. I know they used to have the legions and our legends and leaders divisions. Yep. But I mean, there's just like I personally think there's probably four I'll say guaranteed three, maybe four teams in the East that would have won uh, that game that Michigan won too. It's just like they can't compete. Like they do the Big 12, um, what, Big 12, Big East, like basketball matchups, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think it's going on right now. If we did a Big East uh, or a Big 10 West, Big 10 East matchup, you know, mid-season to start the season, and we played like top teams, boom, boom, boom. I mean, you know, you would almost think, you know, they'd, the East would win all of them, maybe lose one, but you know, it's just tough to watch right now. And I know, you know, geographically it does make sense, but you know, we'll see with, you know, the conference uh, realignment and stuff like that. They do something because, you know, when it gets down to it, like you said, the last month is more competitive than championship game most of the time. So I just think something needs to be done where, you know, we get a nice competitive big 10 championship. Yeah, absolutely. And it does make, that's the thing that sucks about it is it does make geographical sense. It just so happens that all the elite programs of the big 10 happen to lay on the East side of it. And if there's a team, I mean, I think the, the West most team that is in the big 10 East is Michigan state. So, I mean that if Michigan state were to go to the West, as long as they're playing Michigan every year, I'm all for it because the West needs some help. They really do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, congrats again. Um, shout out to Michigan too. You know, they wore the patches for Tate Meyer, RIP to him, RIP to anyone involved in the Oxford shooting. Um, that was a nice gesture and it was just nice to see, um, you know, the community come together. Uh, next week. Yeah. Next we got Alabama beats Georgia 41 to 24, um, you know, as underdogs, as crazy as that sounded, uh, they were underdogs. Uh, they went down 10 to nothing and, you know, Saban kind of sized them up like a boxer, you know, looking at his opponent and Saban does, you know, Saban teams do this from time to time. They'll go down. Everyone's like, Oh, this Georgia team, there's a reason they're number one. And they just shot out like a cannon. Um, you know, it was nice to see. I mean, uh, I don't love watching Bama win, but it's nice to see a SEC underdog win sometimes, you know, um, uh, I don't really love Kirby smart as a coach, you know, his antics are kind of like, eh, but Bryce Young was fantastic. And he just shut them down right away. I mean, it was a beautiful performance after a tough one against Auburn and he made Georgia's defense look unlike anything they've looked all year. So, you know, shout out to Bama. Um, you know, we'll talk more about rankings and stuff, but you know, that was a big time win, uh, for a team that everyone was saying wasn't one of Bama's top tier teams. And they just shut everyone up and said, yeah, we still got it. Yeah. Bama did Bama things, you know, I mean, there's, it, there's been a few times this, this, uh, or not this year, but over the past couple of years where Alabama has struggled a little bit and people start to doubt them. And as soon as they're faced with, um, a really, really big game where a lot of people are starting to say that the other team could pull out a victory. A lot of times Alabama just comes out of nowhere and just completely exposes that team, which is to a T what they did to Georgia this past weekend, I think Bryce Young stepped up to the plate when he most needed to. You know, we've seen him have a lot of up and down this season. There's the clear um, talent factor. I mean, he's just very, very talented. But at the end of the day, he's a freshman. He's young. You know, we, we've seen you know, Bryce Young against Auburn. Eh, not very good. Against Arkansas, 
same thing, not very good. But when they went up against the number one defense in the country, which might have been, might be the best defense that college football has seen in the past five years, and they completely spread them apart. I think the game plan was awesome. And I mean, they put 38 points, or I'm sorry, 41 points on them. And then, I mean, that, that alone, I mean, if you just want to know how impressive that game is, Georgia was giving up basically seven points a game before they played Alabama, and Alabama scored 41 on them and made their uh, points per game average given up by the defense jump like two and a half points to like nine and a half. So very, very impressive win from Alabama. And I think they earned their number one overall playoff ranking. Yeah. And we got one more. This is the tough one for me. Um, you know, obviously, you know, since you won, um, Pittsburgh won, you know, but here, you know, value a couple more games higher. Here we talk um, we about got, retaining college football. Yeah. Um, and Oregon lost again, but we'll talk about that when we go over the bowl games. But uh, Baylor beats Oklahoma State 21-16. Um, I'll just let you go first because I've don't know. i said enough about this over the last couple of days. Um, so I'll just let you kind of go on. Yeah, man. It was a – honestly, it was, I mean, it was an entertaining game. It was a tough grind them out type of football game not a game that you would expect from the big 12. I feel like so often, you know, the big 12, everyone knows about their offense. And then we finally get to the big 12 title game. And usually it is just an offensive party, man. I mean, they're like the over under is set at 80. You can ship it. It's there's going to be touchdowns galore. Not this game, you know, Oklahoma state just not really able to pull it out, you know, with that great defense, the offense, not looking great that game. And one thing I really want to highlight here is Dave Aranda and his success early at Baylor. I mean, this is just his second year there. And to go in to, you know, have victories against Oklahoma, you beat Okie State in the fine or in the title game for the conference. Hats off to you, man. That's really, really tough to do at any school, let alone a program that is good, but not great like Baylor. And I'm just really, really impressed with this guy. And, Baylor's got a great one. And if they, if they can keep him around good for Baylor, but if not, you know, some other big name school, I know, I know all the other, you know, all the big name schools have kind of found their coaches now at this point, at least for this year, I'm talking in the future, the next two, next three years, Dave Aranda is going to be on some people's list. Yeah. I mean, what a win for Baylor just in general, you know, uh, beating Oklahoma when they had to winning out to be able to get into the big 12 championship and then ultimately winning the game on a thriller. Um, you know, some things I highlighted, uh, Jalen Warren getting hurt because I consider him one of the best backs in college football is just a tough blow for the pokes. I know he was hurt like kind of against Oklahoma too, but you know, it's just tough, especially with that last play when the running back, you know, doesn't throw his shoulder in or doesn't beat him around the edge. You know, I believe, truly believe Jalen Warren, you know, makes that play and ultimately ends up being a touchdown. Uh, so that was tough. But, I mean, the highlight, besides, you know, their defense is still elite, uh, even in the second half of the Oklahoma game, even the first half, you know, if they let up they let up some touchdowns, obviously that's going to happen in Bedlam. But their defense stood tough. Uh, they did. They weren't the ones that let up the safety. And they uh, Oklahoma State muffed the punt against Oklahoma. And this game – they stood tough again. They only left 21 points and, you know, it came from, I think there was a pick six. I know there was four interceptions, but you know, 
their backs were against the wall. And most of the time they did stand tough and they let up, you know, under 24, which they have been doing most of the season. Uh, but the, the real highlight is Gundy's red zone offense was putrid. I think they had eight plays on the one yard line. They didn't score obviously two separate drives, um, not even considering a QB sneak should is a fireable offense in my mind. You know, obviously, you know, Gundy's got pulley still going to the Fiesta Bowl, but I mean, you know, you got to win that game. You're not going to be here probably again for a little while in a spot like this to be able to go to the playoff. And, you know, we knew like, at least I did as watch, you know, watching a lot of Oklahoma state games, Spencer Sanders never was a great decision maker, a game manager, but you know, he has talent. He can make plays with his legs. He was just making poor throws and poor decisions all day. But when it comes down to it, he put his team in a position to win and, the play calling didn't allow them to do that. Obviously, you could say, you know, they block better, they score, all that. But it seemed like Baylor knew what was coming, and they did their job and stopped them. So it was just a tough one to watch. Um, you know, I was in the bar for that one. It was a lot. Some Baylor, some Notre Dame fans needing Baylor to pull it out. You know, some Oklahoma State fans, believe it or not, were at the bar too. And it was just like, it just felt like college football was nice, but it was just a tough outcome. So I want to, before we move on, I do want to ask you this, because I think Oklahoma State, Absolutely had a great year. Um, and they're a good program. Like we've mentioned, there's some pretty good players that have come out of that school, uh, both football and basketball wise. Do you think that the performance that the Pokes put out on the field this season is they do you think they can replicate that like going forward? Or do you think this is a, Hey, it was awesome. Maybe five years down the line, we can replicate this. Or do you think this is something that Gundy can do next year? Well, I knew I know they have like one of their edge rushers is like uh, defensive all American as a freshman, um, and I know like a lot of guys on offense aren't like going to the draft yet. So I do think they can replicate it in a way, but I don't even think it's with their defense again. You know, they're losing Malcolm Rodriguez, one of the best linebackers in football. But at the same time, your offense has to get better. I know they you know ran a ball over TCU. They didn't really have a passing attack outside of the game against Oklahoma. So I do believe I do believe it's they're able to replicate it with Oklahoma getting a new coach, losing commits. You know, I do still believe they are probably the best team in the Big 12 going into next year. Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But at the same time, you know, I do still feel like they have another chance to repeat this next year. I know I just said that because it seems like even this year they could have lost a couple games where they go nine and three and they're in the outback bowl or something. Probably not the outback bowl, but you know, a bowl game where it doesn't get as much recognition. So um, I do believe, though, that they would have made it over Cincy with everything that happened. I do think that the committee would still said, Cincy, you're not a power five. Uh, Oklahoma State had three top 15 wins, if I remember correctly. This would have been a fourth one. We're going to put uh, Oklahoma State in. But, you know, at the same time, they didn't get the job done. And ultimately, you know, it led them not being in the playoff. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah, Cincinnati fans needed Oklahoma State to lose that game. And luckily for Cincinnati fans, they did. So let's segue here. We just mentioned, uh, you know, Cade just mentioned in that Oklahoma getting a new coach, Lincoln Riley out. Get into some of the new stories, which happen to just basically be coaching hires. We're going to start it off here. Lincoln Riley, as Cade just mentioned, Leaves Oklahoma. He's named the new head football coach of USC. Cade, is this finally going to mark the return of USC football 
to the national scene. I mean, it's been quite a few years here. Uh, you know, finally they fired Clay Helton. Kind of just forget about the rest of this year. I, listen, man, I, I love this Lincoln High Lincoln Highly Ryer. This Lincoln Highly Ryer. This Lincoln Riley Hire. Try that one. I think this is going to put USC back on the map. I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. Yeah, I do believe it's a home run. And I agree with Lincoln. You know, I, I'd like to get out of Oklahoma as well. Not saying Oklahoma's a bad school, bad program, any of that. It just with the direction it looks like they're going into the SEC, it makes more sense for him to head over to the Pac-12 where it's much easier to win. You only have to dodge a couple of teams. You recruit all through California. And, you know, you're going to get that big-time QB prospect that you need uh, to win the Pac-12 and ultimately end up in the college football conversation. I don't know if we'd have – We've had anyone, you know, obviously Oregon is around with the college football playoff. Outside of Oregon, we haven't re- haven't really had many people, you know, teetering around that mark. And, and as we know, what's going to happen with Oregon now because Mario Cristobal just hiked yeah. Miami. So, and just like that, you know, we've seen Oregon; they're not great. I believe that USC will have elite offenses. Obviously, same as Oklahoma, they'll have to work on the defense. But you know. If they win their non-conference games, hopefully they schedule a big one every year. It'll be fun to watch. I think that they are going to be a force. Um, not going to call anything like they're going to win the national title or anything like that. I just believe, you know, the Pac-12 needs someone to be their leader. And with Oregon, you know, not being able to fill that void and Stanford falling down, things like that. I believe, you know, uh, this was a home run hire and Lincoln Riley's going to do a fine job. I think what's, you know, it's crazy before we move on to our next uh, new coaching hire is I think, you know, if you would have told me that, you know, in September that by December, the best two teams in the Pac-12 or the two teams with the most uh, upside in the Pac-12 would be Utah and USC, I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? But Utah comes out, you know, beats Oregon two games in a row. USC gets what seems to be a home run hire in hiring Lincoln Riley. So good for the PAC 12, man, because they need something, you know, we thought it was Washington. They had a playoff appearance and basically, you know, dipped out of the national scene. It's clearly not Oregon anymore, especially, you know, we see them struggle this year. Like I just said, Mario Cristobal took the Miami job. So he's out and the PAC 12 needs something. And Hey, Lincoln Riley fell right into their lap. So good for them. Next hire. We're going to get to Midwest headed to the South. Brian Kelly, the man that can develop an accent quicker than you can say accent. Uh, (laughs) Ed's down from Notre Dame to LSU. He's going to be the new head coach of the Tigers. I'm going to start this one out. I also love this hire, man. I mean, LSU, it's a great job, right? I mean, it's up there with some of the best jobs in college football, Alabama, Notre Dame, Michigan, USC, Oklahoma. I mean, it's absolutely, it's a blue blood program. The culture is great. The environment is great. The recruiting that they're going to get is great. And I think that, you know, me and you had some discussions on this show uh, in previous weeks that, yes, Ed Orgeron is probably a competent head football coach, but he's nothing great. And if Ed Orgeron can construct the team that he constructed in 2019, and I do think that was a little bit of lightning in a bottle, but if that can happen under Ed Orgeron, and they can win the national title in the fashion that they did in 2019. I think the sky is the limit for Brian Kelly at LSU. I do think the fit's a little weird. You know, he's a little, uh, 
a little tight, a little tightly wound for an LSU head coach. But nevertheless, I think he's an, an amazing X's and O's guys. Um, you know, he's got recruiters there. I think he's going to recruit very, very well. So I think LSU is, you know, I mean, can we say that they're back? I know they just won the title two years ago, but they've had a really rough two years after that title win. So I think the Tigers are, are in good hands and give it a couple of years. And I think they'll be right back up there with the top of the SEC. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as huge on this one as Lincoln Riley, just because I'm not a huge Brian Kelly guy. You know, I think he's a scumbag, but you know, at the same time, I will give it to you. Like he is a great head football coach and, you know, we've seen what he could do with Notre Dame. Obviously he didn't have all the pieces to win the national championship, but he was able to, you know, make those playoff runs. I would like to see how, you know, LSU fans, they've already drove multiple quarterbacks outside Joe Burrow out and into the transfer portal. I'd like to see how quickly they flip on Brian Kelly if he doesn't have a good year to start off. You know, it's the SEC job, you know, as we see with Coach O, wins the national championship, boom, he's out in two years. I don't know how quick it will take Brian Kelly to, you know, get the ball rolling. Like I said, I do believe he is a good coach. But, you know, I would like to see, you know, how he how he recruits, how his players react, you know, his coaching style. I just think it's – I don't know if everything's going to mesh. Um, you know, obviously I could be wrong, you know. But I don't know. It's just something about this one. I don't love it as much as Lincoln Riley. And I don't even, like, love Lincoln Riley as a head coach. Um, you know, he does a great job. But, you know, at the same time, you know, he's never had a great defense. You know, he needs to hire guys that – He's mostly, you know, a QB guy, uh, X's and O's on the offensive side of the ball. But I feel like Brian Kelly is the full package. I just don't know if it'll mesh as much as, you know, everyone else is saying. Yeah, I agree. I do think there's some fit questions there. Um, another hire, Billy Napier, former coach at University of Louisiana, heading down to a different swamp. He's going to be coaching Florida now. Florida finally got sick of Dan Mullen. And, you know, I, I think that, yeah, do I know a ton about Billy Napier? In his career, no. He seems like a pretty good coach, good record. He's got, you know, he's coached for a while now, so they're not getting a rookie. But I like one thing I want to highlight is just shout out to Florida for finally getting rid of Dan Mullen, man. I mean, it was a couple of years of just, just the craziest up and down ever. I mean, they would play good, bad, and like there's, there was just no consistency within the program. I feel like there wasn't a lot of like promise in the program either, you know, recruiting was good. And it was just kind of like, you know, he just felt like your average football coach at this point. And the thing that was, you know, making Florida, if you want to call them good, I guess we can say in this year and probably not good, but in past years, the thing that was making Florida relevant was the fact that they were the university of Florida, you know, that they're a big sec school. They get big time recruits. People love them. The, The TV networks love them. So I think it's a good hire for Florida. I think mainly the objective that they had to complete heading into this offseason was getting rid of Dan Mullen, and they did that. So it's a win in my book. Yeah, like you said, I'm not going to come up here and act like I'm the biggest Billy Napier advocate of all time. He has the resume. You know, he's had a lot of experience, and I believe it was time for him to get a, you know, I wouldn't say SEC coaching job, but hey, you know, you might as well take a chance. Shout out to the uh, Rage Occasions for uh, winning the Sun Belt as well. You know, they just stuck it out even when he left. I don't think he's still coaching there. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know, like, if he's staying for the bowl game or whatever, but I doubt he is. You know, he's at Florida. He's ready to roll. 
And, you know, it's just another, you know, premier job. I'd say it's, you know, top 15 in college football where, you know, you got to step up and you got to win some games. And, you know, hopefully he does that. You know, I don't, I'm not a huge, like, Florida guy, but like, I don't mind seeing Florida beat Georgia, Bama, Tennessee, you know, schools like that, you know, you know go and get the dub. I don't really care. But, you know, I think it was time for him to get a good job, and he did. So hopefully he can, you know, not lose any recruits. I saw one guy decommit, but – you know, hopefully you can still recruit and get those guys in, develop a nice staff from where you can go and, you know, win some games in Florida. All right. And then the last coaching hire that we are going to highlight, we've already mentioned it in the past couple of minutes, Mario Cristobal heading back to his alma mater, heading down to South Florida. He's going to be the new coach of Miami of the U. Cade, what do you think about it? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I don't know much about crystal ball, but it seems like, you know, he gets guys to rally around him and he creates good football teams, good culture there. Uh, I like to hire, I'd like to see the U back, you know, and it's just better when the U is back along with Florida state, you know, hopefully they will finally put the, put the big boy pants on and hire Dion in the next couple of years. And we can get that matchup back and rolling. But yeah, coach prime, you know, got Jackson state, their first championship in a long time, but Shout out to Crystal Ball getting the job done and getting that offer. Thank God he got out of Oregon. I don't have to call him a fraud. I can just call Oregon a fraud. And, you know, go in and recruit, get some people there, and, you know, get that bad attitude going again at the U. Let's roll. I'm a U fan. Yeah, I, I'm here for it, man. If he can, if Crystal Ball can replicate those Justin Herbert Oregon teams down in Miami, I'm here for it, man. And, and you're going to recruit Brett in Miami. I know Oregon's got a good brand. I know kids are psyched to go there because look at all the freaking uniforms they wear. And 95% of them are absolutely sweet, but nothing beats palm trees, sunshine. I mean, nothing beats Florida, dude. Like kids are going to want to go there. They already want to go there. Now you're already, you're adding on the fact that, Hey, Look at what this guy did. He got Justin Herbert to the NFL. Have you seen what Justin Herbert's doing lately? Because he's amazing. <laughs> you know, he's done all these great things at Oregon. And he's shown the ability to be a great coach. You know, knocks off Ohio State early this season. So, hey, I'm all for it. And I, like you, I agree. I think college football is better when Miami is good. So, and, and same thing for USC. I'm happy that these big name brands that have been out of the prime time of our sport are getting a real good shot at working their way back into um, back into the primetime spot because that's what they deserve to be. I think that the sport is best when they are good. So we're going to go ahead and transition now to the final college football playoff rankings. Our thoughts on them, if we agree, if we disagree, going to send it over to Cade, and he's going to leave that one off. Yeah, uh, so you know, just running them down, we got Alabama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three, Cincy at four, and then Notre Dame and Baylor at five and six. I think they got it right, but, like, if Michigan was one and Bama was two, I wouldn't, like, you know, I wouldn't call it crazy. You know, uh, I think Bama has the better win, not by much. And, you know, comparing the losses, they both went on the road and both lost um, to two good schools. Uh, I guess Bama was, you know, a 17 point favor in loss and Michigan was a four point favor, but you know, they're not going to factor in spreads into that for those type of games. Um, you know, I believe that they shouldn't have made Georgia and Bama a semifinal matchup again, and they didn't. So I'm happy they didn't do that. 
I just think that Michigan got screwed because they were, you know, the plan was for them to play Cincy in the semis before even they, you know, teed off, um, you know, kicked off in the Big Ten champ or yeah, Big Ten championship. So yeah, I'm not really going to complain that much. You know, as a Michigan fan, sure you can complain about being one, but we all know what Bama does. They win championships. So saying you should be ahead of Bama with Bama's resume, you know, just laying there, especially this year. You know, Michigan, you know, Michigan struggled with teams as well. It wasn't just a perfect slate. They peaked at the right time and they're rolling. But, you know, you could say Bama's doing that too, just off of one game. So, yeah, I don't have an issue with what the committee did here. Yeah, I, honestly, and I'm one of those Michigan fans, and I, I don't even have a problem with it, honestly. I mean, I was so impressed watching Alabama in that SEC title game. I was like, and, and I was sitting there, you know, with my dad, he's like, well, we're, we better be number one. I'm like, dad, forget about it. It's not happening, man. I'm like, it's not happening. I was like, after that performance that Alabama just put on against Georgia, when Georgia has just been as dominant as they were throughout the entire regular season. I mean, what would they rank number one, 10 out of the 12 weeks, maybe a lot, you know, like that. Yeah. Like just about, I felt, felt like by like week four, maybe they were number one and it was, every week from there on out. So, you know, Alabama comes in, drops the absolute hammer on them. You know, I, I understand why Michigan fans are upset by it. You know, just from a logical standpoint, number one team who was Georgia lost number two team, Michigan blew out their competition. So I can see how you would want that number one ranking, but I think you just need to be a little bit more realistic with yourself. Um, considering how the committee behaves in these type of situations, we know they are SEC bias. And I don't even think it's that, you know, egregious for them to put Alabama over Michigan. Like you said, you know, Alabama's got, or I mean, they have, you know, similar losses, Bama losing to A&M, Michigan losing to state. But I do think that Alabama's big win over Georgia is slightly better than Michigan's over Ohio state. And that's probably just because Ohio state wasn't as dominant on the defensive side of the football that they were this year. But am I going to complain? No, we're in the playoff. I mean, would I rather be playing Cincinnati than Georgia right now? Yeah, but (laughs) we're in the playoff and I didn't expect to be. So I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, man. Of course I want them to win. I think I actually think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are saying for Michigan and Georgia. We'll get into that. Uh, in a couple weeks, but I'm happy to be here, man. And I really don't have any issue with these playoff rankings at all. Yeah. I don't like, I kind of touched on what I wanted to say. And it's fine with Michigan. They're playing a team that now has got to decide, you know, are we going back to JT Daniels? You know, what do we want to do? Is our defense really legit? How are we going to stop the run? Because obviously everyone's got some big boys up front, but you know, and then Bama, you know, you don't want to see a guy get hurt. John Mechie goes down, torn ACL, you know, prayers up to him. Hopefully he's speedy recovery, great wide receiver. But, you know, they're dealing with stuff too. And, you know, Cincy is going to be hungry dogs run faster. There's not a hungrier dog right now than Cincy wanting to show people that teams outside of the Power Five want to, you know, make their mark. And obviously I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that, you know, I'd rather play Georgia or yeah, I'd rather play Georgia than Cincy as a Michigan fan. But I'm just saying, when you look at the matchup, Georgia's just got defeated, and Cincy just played their biggest game in program history. So you can look at that. You can go either ways. Either way, both teams got to strap up the strap on the helmets and play football. You know, it's going to happen. And you know, I think you know we'll get into the Heisman right here. But I think the Heisman was where 
you know, you can shake your head and be like, what are we looking at right here compared to like the committee's playoff rankings where it's kind of like, if you're an unbiased, you know, if you're a Kansas Jayhawk fan, if there are any of those and you're looking at just like, yeah, they probably got it right. Who cares? <laughs> that was a that was such a subtle shot towards Kansas. Sorry, yeah. Sorry for the <laughs> slight dig. Kansas Jayhawk fans. <laughs> Sorry for the slight dig to Kansas fans. Your basketball team's fine and you beat Texas. So I'm sure you're doing fine this year. And you I think your win total was one and a half, and I think you won two or three games. So good for you. There we go. Moving on up. Um you brought up you brought up the Heisman finalists, and I think it's a perfect time to transition to that. So I'll go ahead and read them off. We have Aiden Hitch- Aiden Hitchinson, Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> Defensive end from Michigan, Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama, Kenny Pickett, quarterback from Pittsburgh, and C.J. Stroud, quarterback from Ohio State. Now, if you're a college football fan that has a competent level of intelligence, you'll notice that there's a name missing from this list that deserves to be on this list. His name is Kenneth Walker, and he's the running back for the Michigan State Spartans. He's the best running back in the Big Ten. He's better than Travion Henderson, although probably everyone outside of the state of Michigan would say that Travion Henderson is better than Kenneth Walker, which is false, unequivocally false. He's the best running back that Michigan State has maybe ever had before Lorenzo White, who made Heisman finalist uh, multiple times. And I, I just... I just don't know why he's not, well, well, almost knocked a drink over. I just don't know why he's not on this list. I, I can't make up a reason. Is Bryce Young great? Yeah. Is Kenny Pickett great? Yes. CJ Stroud great? Yes. Hutchinson, we all saw him this weekend. Yes. Great. But Kenneth Walker deserved to be on. The, I mean, this is the dude that look at how much hype, how much praise Michigan is getting right now. And it's deserved. But we're forgetting that this is the dude that scored five freaking touchdowns against them. And beat them. They're only lost this season. And I don't care what you say, Michigan State would not have won that game if Kenneth Walker was not on the field. Yeah. Over to you. Uh, I, friend. I didn't like ran on Twitter. Right? I'm not a huge like social media guy to start with. You know, this would probably be a time where I would kind of make my voice loud and clear. But, you know, enough Michigan State fans did it for me. I'm not going to be unbiased here, but I'm also not going to be like, you know, he should win it. You know, I don't think he should win. I think, you know, this weekend proved Bryce Young's best player in college football this year. But the thing that made it so, you know, not so, I don't even know what word I'm trying to figure out right now, but there, so such, no, not even with that. It just, there wasn't that guy that was the Heisman. Like there wasn't a Joe Burrow. There wasn't a Devonta Smith the whole year. You know, you had Matt Crell going up and down, you know, Spencer Rattler was a favorite going into the year. There's guys all over the place shooting up and down. And Kenneth Walker just kept doing it from that first run he had against Northwestern, which I didn't even get to see because they were still showing Virginia Tech beat North Carolina when he took it 80 yards to the house. Every game on, you know, he just did things. And the definition of Heisman Trophy is the guy that puts the team on the back. And without Kenneth Walker, this Michigan State team isn't even talked about right now. Who knows where they're at? He's just that good of a football player. And I just couldn't believe that they didn't put him on. But I did see it coming, you know. You could just feel like they're like, oh, you know, his odds are dipping. You know, I just, you know, you could feel that they're not going to give Michigan State their credibility. And ESPN, I mean, not saying ESPN is the one that chooses this, but, you know, ESPN has it out for Michigan State too as well. So they were fine with not seeing him on there. But just breaking it down, I mean, 
I, I mean, we'll talk about like who we think like the top four should have been, but he had better numbers than Mark Ingram did. And Mark Ingram won the Heisman. So there's one thing to talk about right there. I was going to say that. Didn't he also have better numbers than like, correct me if I'm wrong. There was, it was two Heisman winning running. I think, one of them I think he had, yeah. And the other was Derrick Henry, but I think, yeah. And that's the other thing. So I'll just go into that right now. I was going to say Adrian Peterson. So good. <laughs> he was, he was hurt against Ohio state. Um, and also they were, you know, no matter what he did in that game, they were going to lose, you know, he wasn't running for nine touchdowns. So that obviously hurt, hurt him. But at the same time, you know, it's easier for a quarterback to, you know, control a game against such a putrid defense like Michigan state had than you know, trying to get Kenneth Walker to run wild against a decent Ohio state defense. Obviously it was proven false next week, but at the same time, you know, all his other games, he carried them on his back. Even the Purdue game, he had a quiet hundred something yards and a touchdown. So like, it's just, you know, it's just sad to see, cause you know, Michigan state doesn't have these guys growing on trees. So hopefully, you know, with tough, you know, you can get some more big recruits in there, but I also, you know, maybe it's just me, you know, in hindsight, I was just completely wrong, but I thought there was five finalists. When did that change? I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I thought there was three finalists. <laughs> I knew there was, so there used to be five for sure. Maybe not last year, maybe not the year before, but like since like 2018, I've always thought there was five. And who knows? He might have not even been number five because I think another guy got snubbed. I think Will Anderson from Alabama got snubbed as well. Linebacker? Clearly, the, yeah, he clearly the best. You know, you could obviously make a case for Aiden Hutchinson, but if you look at the stats and everything, I'm not trying to compare a linebacker to a DN. He had more sacks, and he was just clearly the best player on the field in every game he played it. You know, he had better numbers than Joey Boza, Aaron Donald, Sue, Chase Young. Like, he had a crazy good year, but, you know, they're probably like, damn, we don't want to put in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. We just had Bob Smith and Mac Jones. But Bama's that good. They bring in those kind of players. And I'm not disrespecting Aiden Hutchinson. I want the Lions to take him at number one. I've been on that wagon since, like, the Nebraska game. I don't care. But at the same time, you know, you got to start to compare these things. So um, I've done a lot of the talking. I don't know if you have anything else to say in terms of like Kenneth Walker. We were both on the same page. I mean, the whole year we were talking how good he is. Obviously me being a Michigan state fan, you know, he made this year fun, especially after a couple bad years, even last year, the year before that, like it was tough to watch and it was just nice to see him come out of nowhere and, you know, be that guy. So, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate, you know. Obviously, he wasn't going to win. Um, if he if he went nuts against Ohio State, it's a different story. But he didn't, and you know, I just wanted to see him in New York because it would have been fun. Yeah, you know, I was as you said, I'm I'm right on board with you. You know, one thing I think is, and you mentioned, I knew Will Anderson was good. Thank you for mentioning those stats. I didn't know he was that outstanding. I knew he was a good player. I've watched it. It was quiet, very quiet type of stats. That's amazing. That's amazing. He had better stats than who was it? It was Donald, Sue. I mean, that's, that's Chase Young. Chase Young was like two or three in the Heisman voting. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know about the other. I know Sue was like, Sue was the one that got robbed. He had like, without a doubt, the best college football season. I don't know who he wanted over. You know, I was, we were in middle school maybe, but um, it, maybe elementary school. Wasn't it uh, RG3, 2011? I think it might've been RG3. I, I honestly think. Might've been, might've been a little earlier than that, but still like, you know, it's in 
don't know. That's why I think there should have been five finalists. You're picking four guys to be your finalists with, you know, five power five conferences that mostly have 12 teams. So you're picking four guys through 60 plus teams or whatever. It's just tough. You know, obviously, you know, if I'm in their shoes, it's, it's hard to like pick guys, but you know, there wasn't a running back that compared to Kenneth Walker. There is QBs that compared and, you know, so I'll just go into it. I, I'll just give you my list. I would have went Bryce Young one. I think he should win. So I have him as number one. I don't yeah, really yeah. think we're going to debate oh, these that. Are, these are like Cade Lewitsky. If Cade Lewitsky picked the Heisman winner, number one, Bryce Young. Yeah. And I think two would have been Kenny Pickett. I just think the way he's controlled Pitt season, obviously he lost to Western and that's tough, but like the dude's been legit. And, awesome. you know, I went, I want the Lions to draft him. Obviously, not at one or wherever we draft. And he's not going to fall anymore because he's just that good. Um, three, I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. And I know, you know, Michigan fans want Hutch. And I know this is tough to bring up because, you know, obviously I'm picking and choosing. But Hutchinson didn't do anything against Michigan State. And that is why it hurts his – for me, it hurts. Like, if he would have had a great game with Michigan State, I would have been like – you know, one guy can't stop the run, but, you know, I don't even know he might've had one tackle in that game, which is tough for him. But obviously I'm going to be biased towards my guy. And then I am going to put Will Anderson in there just because reading those stats, I was like, Holy shit. Like this guy really did that much and how quiet it was. But I still think Aiden Hutchinson is a great player. And the only guy, like if if Kenneth Walker, if they would have put Will Anderson over CJ Stroud, and Hutch was still in there, I would have been, like, less mad. But, like, C.J. Stroud had so many bad games, and he wasn't even the best player on his offense. His wideouts are better than him. I even think uh, Trayvon Henderson's better than him, like, in terms of a, as good of a player as he is. So, I just think, you know, obviously, you know, he went nuts against Michigan State, and Kenneth Walker got 26 yards. I We you know everyone said he was hurt. I don't know if that was true, but, you know, he didn't even start, like, Justin Simmons, I think his name is fumbled in that game. And we're like, why is Kenneth Walker not in? He had to have been hurt. You know, it's your biggest game of the year. You're going to play him. So that's why, like, you know, you could toss him around. I just don't think CJ Stroud deserved to be in there. I think he had too many poor games. I don't think he's the best player on his team. That's why Devonta Smith made over Mac Jones and won, won the Heisman because he was just a better player. Mac Jones is phenomenal. He's doing phenomenal right now. Devonta Smith was just a different type of animal. So those are mine. You know, people are going to disagree, but. Uh, at the same time, you know, like I said, sorry, Michigan fans, you're having all your fun winning the Big Ten title. I love Aiden Hutchinson. I want him over Kayvon Thibodeau. I've wanted that since week four or five. So, you know, you can harp at me, but I'm still a Hutch guy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. If I was to pick my winner, you know, out of these four, I think it's probably going to go to Bryce Young. I think, uh, you know, being that he just absolutely lit Georgia on fire and what was one of the most important games of the season, you know, the committee is going to love that or not the committee, but the Heisman voters are going to love that. Um, and, and rightfully so, honestly, I mean, Georgia was a great defense and he just lit them up left and right. They didn't have an answer for him the entire game. Do I have a problem with Aiden Hutchinson being on there? No, but I don't necessarily think that he is worthy of it. I think he's a great football player. Yes. He's a great defensive end, but I don't see like, I feel like there's a lot of defensive players like Aiden Hutchinson. Like I I've seen defensive ends dominate college football in a similar fashion 
that Aiden Hutchinson has and not even get mentioned in the Heisman. And I do think um, that part of the reason that he is getting so much uh, attention for the trophy is because he plays for the maize and blue and because the maize and blue are having one of the best years that they've had in the past 15 years of their program. And I think, you know, the national media is realizing, wow, we really, really missed having Michigan in this scene. You know, look at the views we're getting. Michigan, Michigan state was the highest viewed uh, college football game of the season. And I do think that played a part in him getting chosen uh, for this award. Now, I, my other critique of it is I do think that, you know, we, we've talked about this um, in previous episodes that the Heisman is becoming such a quarterback centric award. And I agree with that most years, but when you have a year like this year, like you already mentioned where there isn't a Devonta Smith clear Heisman dude by like week seven. There isn't a Lamar Jackson who had like 13 rushing touchdowns through like five weeks of play. Then you need to open up the field of who can qualify for this award to more positions. Cause there are players out there, like you said, like Will Anderson who play on the defensive side of the ball, like uh, Kenneth Walker. I know he's not defensive side of the ball, but he's a running back that aren't quarterbacks that deserve to be mentioned. And in this award, so that's my big gripe for it. Um, you know, if there's a guy that I were to take off of this, honestly, I really do think that it would be Kenny Pickett, honestly. I love the way he's played, but I think the Heisman has almost done a transition now to where it's not just who's like the best player on the field, like who's the best overall football player. It's who's the flashiest, right? And I do, and like I said, I think that's also some of the reason that Aiden Hutchinson is getting um, so much uh, attention for the Heisman Trophy is because he's really flashy. I mean, you everyone knows the name too. Like they go nuts when this guy makes a play. So Kenny Pickett really isn't. I don't think he's the flashiest player in the world. He did have that fake slide in the ACC title game. Don't get me going about that. It was that beautiful, thing, but that was beautiful. it should be so. It should be so illegal. It, and should, it should be. But I have net one. I've never seen someone attempt that before. Two. I've never seen someone pull it off as clean as he did. Yeah, Mike Vick used to do it, but like they were able to hit him. Like you know, they're not able to hit oh, yeah. quarterbacks well, anymore. All time so Mike. So Mike Vick would be able to do that. But like seeing a guy like Kenny Pickett do it is cool. But at the same time, you know, they held up like they're supposed to. Because if they go in there and he tries a fake slide and he like spins out of it and they deck him in the head because he pops up, then it's targeting and then everyone's losing their mind. So we'll, we'll you know, we'll continue with your Kenny Pickett. Because I do, to a point, I do agree with you. It was just so tough with like, you know, I do believe that, you know, Bryce Young and Kenneth Walker are kind of those two guys that put the team on their back. I do agree Kenny Pickett did as well. I just like CJ Stroud. I feel like there's a QB in that room as well that could have done similar things that he did. Absolutely. And that's the only thing. And I'm not like an Ohio State hater. Like, I don't like Ohio State, but that's just the truth. Like, no, nobody coming out of Michigan State's backfield is going to put up those numbers. And, you know, maybe they Bama's got a QB, but like nobody, there's not a backup QB at Pitt that's got that can do what Kenny Pickett just did. Honest to God, dude. Honest to God. And I think, you know, a year from now, who's because all these guys, except for Bryce Young, is going are going or actually CJ Stroud's not going to the league either. But um, like who's going? I do think Kenny Pickett will be the best NFL quarterback of of these three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, and oh these three, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I, oh. I, oh, I do. Really? I, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Kenny Pickett goes to Pittsburgh, right? And I know he's a Heisman oh. finalist, but he does not get the attention that Bryce Young gets, that CJ Stroud gets. Kenny Pickett is going to end up being drafted probably in the first round, but he's not going to go top 10. He's going to go like 15 to 21, and he's going to land on a team that already has an offensive line put together, that has a defensive line put together, that has some some guys here, some guys there, and that is the most important thing for a rookie quarterback going into the NFL because it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't, you know, have you seen Trevor Lawrence this year? Is anybody talking about how good Trevor Lawrence is? No, because, and he is great. You know, don't, don't, let, don't let that... Um, get to you, me saying that Trevor Lawrence isn't good. He's going to be great in like three years when the Jags have had some time to put some pieces around him. You can't do it alone in the NFL. Kenny, watch, Kenny Pickett is going to be the Mac Jones of this draft class. See, I, like, I agree with what you said. I just, I do think he's done enough to now get drafted higher. And, you know, there's teams that need a QB, like, I don't know if the Texans are the ones they'll they'll do it, but there's other teams that are going to have to pull trigger on a QB. And uh, with Bryce Young's talent, you know he's what got at least one more, maybe two more years, uh, depending on yeah, just like how the COVID year and all that went. I just I just think he's that talented. You know, and I watched his highlight tape the other day for high school, and it was just like, geez, this this dude can ball, but. Like I said, I like Kenny Pickett. I want, I want him, I want him to do bad. Sorry, Kenny. I wanted you to do bad. So the Lions could draft you in the second round, but you did too well. And now you get to play my Spartans. But I've also heard that he might not play. But I hope he plays because I don't like bowl games where the QBs don't play. Hold on, though. Hold on. Well, this is what you're forgetting, Cade. The Lions have two first round picks. Yeah. Do you think they take? Do you, and that, I don't. That I just, make I just my, don't think it'll. I don't think it'll fall. I don't. That'll make, that would make it. my take wrong because obviously if he were to get to the, go to the Lions, they have absolutely nothing to put. Around. Yeah. That, that you're like, damn, I that would look wrong. <laughs> but hey, That's funny. where it is right now though, like, cause the Rams have been struggling a little bit. I feel like the Lions would be picking what, like high twenties, maybe. I think Rams mid to, uh, mid, I think yeah, mid to low twenties, mid to low twenties. So, so hey, probably 20 to 24, I'd say. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, Kenny Pickett, if he wanted to be on a good NFL team next year, he shouldn't have faked that slide because social media went nuts. And rightfully, yeah. it was amazing. But I feel like we, we've, you know, beat that horse and it is it's dead. So let's move on. This week's preview. That, you got all your thoughts out? You good? Um, I do have one uh, next year. You know, they talk about Heisman, you know, who they got. Obviously, like we talked about. You talked about Caleb Williams. There, are, there's other players. Spencer Sanders was like top six in Heisman voting before that game, believe it or not. But I think Deuce Vaughn, running back from K State, he's like Darren Sproles 2.0. Watching him play football is so fun. And I'm on the Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn wagon for next year. If this dude can just pick up some video game numbers, get a competent offense, he's fun to watch. If you haven't seen him play, I know you know K State football probably isn't your number one thing to do on a Saturday. Watch them play, but. Go watch his tape when it gets out this year. Watch him in the bowl game. He's he's a fun player. He's an energizer bunny, and he makes guys miss, and he's got absolute burners. So that's just what I say. Like I like him uh, as my Heisman guy next year right now. I'm a fave fave or a favorite. I'm a fan of anybody with the name Deuce Deuce Fall. That's, that's a sweet name. Deuce Tatum. 
I'm here for it, man. That, that is a cool name. <laughs> Colin, Colin Macklem, uh, he's on Livewire Fantasy Football Podcast. He he didn't really create, but he came up with the name test. Outside of quarterbacks in the NFL, he does a name test. And if they don't pass the name test, he doesn't consider them – he doesn't consider that they're going to be good. So he's not a huge college football guy, so he'll just watch a draft and be like, third round, this dude has this name. Yeah, he passed the name test. He'll be good. Deuce Vaughn is like all-time name. So, you know, that's also, you know, a factor if he's factoring that in. But I just think he's going to be sweet. And he plays the Big 12. Ain't no defense. Well, I mean, outside of Oklahoma State and Baylor, ain't much defense. Exactly. All right. This week's preview, it's the last regular season game that we are going to be previewing. Only got one for you this week. It is, you know, it happens every year on this week, the week after conference championship games. It is the Army-Navy game. It is just an American event. The president is there just about every year. I really hope Biden makes an appearance. I would be very upset with him if he didn't. I feel like it's very un-American to not attend this football game. Takes place at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia where the Eagles play. Why? Because that is where Congress first started before uh, you know, we, this country discovered Washington, D.C. and built a, a house and painted it white and decided that that's where uh, we're going to do things here for this country. So get into it. Navy plus seven and a half. The game starts at three thirty, sending it to Cade. Which one out of the four of our um, military schools is going to win? So. I've never not made a pick on this show. And the only reason I don't want to do it is because there's another bet that's just better in my eyes. And that's the over under 34. No, it's not cowardly. The over, the under is 15 and 0 in the last 15 games of this matchup. And that is a cop out because you know, there's going to be like three passes thrown in this game. I'm taking the over. Okay, that's not a cop out. <laughs> I'm taking it oh, over. Woo! I think this is the year. I've done my fact checking, my two minute fact checking. Navy's not that good. The Army hasn't been playing well either. So I don't really love it. I'll make a pick for the people, but I'm making my official play the over, over 34. I don't know how it gets done. This is the ultimate Christmas party game. I know there's bowl games and stuff. When I think of Christmas parties, I think of Saturday afternoon going over to the aunt's house. Uh, why is an Army Navy on? Can we turn that on? Oh, would you look? It's seven to three in the third quarter. I don't care. I think this game, not a shootout, but I think this game puts up some points. I think both offenses can play. I don't think defenses are great. You know, Army gave up 17 to UMass, so why can't they give up 17 to Navy? Uh, I'll take I'll take Army minus seven and a half of my official play is the over. Don't like it. Don't I don't like either. Calls. I know, but you know what? History says the over is due. Fifteen and zero is it's too streaky for me. The over is due. The over is due. The was, over is due. That was the most illogical statement I've ever heard. They they are fifteen and zero for the over, and he says history says that the over is due. No, history says that it's going to be the under again this week. History says they're putting the line at thirty four. Have you ever seen a lot? The Air Force Navy or Air Force Army game wasn't even 34 this year. It's just going to keep going down. Who knows what the looks like? I don't care. I'm taking the over. All I need is, well, no, that's not true. But all I need, is, if you think about it, all I need is a 20 to 17 game. Yeah, that's true. 
when you, when you think about it like that's that. That's a stretch for Army Navy. <laughs> that's a barn burning for Army Navy. I know, I, I know everyone around you is like, you're an idiot. And I'm not, if they don't win, they don't win. Or if they don't cover, they cover the over or whatever. I just, you know, I don't know that like, usually it's like Army's really good. Navy stinks. That's usually how this matchup goes. And Navy's like double digit dogs and I take them. But I just don't like seven and a half. They're asking you to take Navy with a half point. And I do think just Army's just a better football team. And, you know, I do think they're going to put up 20 plus on Navy. So I just think I need Navy to score a couple times. Okay. Time for my pick. Enough of Cade and you're taking Navy, are you? And I just oh hell yeah, <laughs> I'm taking Navy. Absolutely, not only because you're taking I'm, Army, I'm not only because you're taking Army, because my father was in the Navy. His father was in the Marines, which is a division of the Navy. There's a huge Navy history in my family, so I'm going to be rolling with the midshipmen to win and cover this one. And unlike Cade. I take history seriously and will be picking the under because it's Philadelphia in the middle of December with teams that, I mean, do these quarterbacks even know how to throw the football? I'm kidding. No, that's disrespectful. Yes, they know how to throw the football, but they don't throw the football. I mean, you're going to be seeing triple options. It's going to look like, I mean, basically what Michigan did do Ohio state is how both teams are going to be playing on both sides of the ball um, this weekend. So Listen, my father would disown me if I if I picked Army. And, and I do still need a place to sleep, unfortunately. So I'm rolling with the midshipmen. <laughs> I just looked it up. Um, uh, the last six years they played this game, if the line was 34 for those six games, it would be three and three. So it is a low line. And, you know, obviously for this game, it's probably the right line. But I just feel like, you know, it's got a chance. And. Uh, I looked and the public was on the under and it was pretty much split between army and Navy. Okay. I don't really care who, I don't really care who wins this game. And I don't think that's a coward move. Like you said, I just think that if it's a good solid football game that ends on the last possession or something like that, or, you know, you know, they're hitting people. We got fumbles teams trying to attempt to pass. Like you said, you know, it's just going to be a good football game, no matter what, you know, most of the time, it isn't really a blowout, you know, every five years, usually Navy or army, Usually Navy's the one that's smacking them, but um, you know, I just think it's a good football game. And then we'll have college basketball on too as well, a little, a little appetizer on the side. So, you know, it, it is a good it's it's not a it's not last weekend type of sports weekend, but it's a good sports weekend. Absolutely. You heard it here first, folks. That's gonna wrap it up for Natty Talk for a couple of weeks. We will be we don't know when yet, but we will be making another episode just before the big highlighted bowl games, you know, the Rose Bowl, all the playoff games. So, you know, expect a week or two off. Me, Mitch McCartney, Kay Lewitsky, we will be back. But for now, signing off. Peace. See ya.